Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Barbara Streisand. Yes, indeed. Episode 238 of Nothing Personal. And the word of the day is Barbara Streisand. How am I going to work her into this episode? Very, very easily, actually. This one didn't take a lot of time. Memory like the Hanna makes me feel like a Hanna memory. Memory. Very famous song by Barbara Streisand. Not sure I could possibly butcher the words more. Actually, I didn't butcher the words. I don't know the words. I just know the tune and I can picture her singing it. In any case, why is memory so important to Barbara Streisand? It's important to all of us. Hold on. Wait, I have no idea what I was talking about. Um, ah, memory. Very important. <laughs> to not have one. If you're a baseball team who gets its ass kicked 15 to three and has to play again the next day. The Atlanta Braves showed the world that they are huge Barbara Streisand fans last night. They came back from the 15-3 drubbing. They came back from all the talking heads in all of baseball. Every network, the Dodgers are awake. They scored seven runs late in the game to just lose eight to seven. Way to go. Then they scored 11 runs in the first inning to win 15 to three. Way to go. They're down two to one. Who cares? Dodgers are going to crush. Guess what? Clayton Kershaw's on the mound. Back spasms are despasmed. The L4, L5 is upright. He goes six innings. Maybe too much. Gets into the sixth. Close game. George Springer, that's the wrong team. (laughs) I was about to talk about George Springer and Carlos Correa. Clayton Kershaw gets into the sixth inning. Dave Roberts gets criticized. None of it matters because the Dodgers got three hits and lost 10 to two. The Atlanta Braves won game four and are leading that best of seven series three to one, trying to get to the World Series for the first time since 1999. That's the Braves. The Braves are trying to win a World Series for the first time since 1995. That seems like forever until you realize the team they're playing hasn't won it since 1988. Of course, they've been to the World Series recently and lost to the Strohs. When you're running a baseball team, when you're playing on a baseball team, you do not succumb to the insane up and downs that are created by social media, by all the talk shows, by all the fan bases, by all of the ownership groups and the presidents and all of the insanity that happens. You cannot be that way. If you allow yourself, and this is an analogy I like to use, and it's an, an analogy I borrowed from Parenthood, one of my favorite movies with Steve Martin. There's a conversation in there about the roller coaster 
and the merry-go-round. And I'm very much a roller coaster guy. I like the ups and downs of life and of I like the highs and the lows. I like excitement. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I understand that when you're an adrenaline junkie that you have to, by definition, encourage and hope for the lows because that's the way you can actually have a frame of reference against the highs. Whereas a merry-go-round, as grandma said, you just go around and around and around. Nothing. There's no up. There's no down. There's no high. There's no low. When you're a baseball team, you have to be the merry-go-round. Now, you can get excited when you hit a walk-off. I'm good with that. But you've got to be able to have the shortest memory of all time. Individual players need it from a performance standpoint. If you're going to be successful, it's the only players I've come across who we've talked about this maybe. I can't remember. Great physical tools, but absolutely nothing upstairs, nothing between the ears, an absolute void, total weakness. Let me clarify that, actually, Coca. This is important to me. I don't mean when I say void between the ears, you can be a very good player and not be smart. The expression void between the ears sometimes implies lack of intelligence or stupidity. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You can be not smart in anything in the world except baseball and be a good baseball player. You can be not smart in baseball and be a good baseball player. But what you can't be is a player who's all up in his head, who goes 0 for 5 or 2 for 11 and doesn't have confidence in himself when he goes to the plate. A person who is 0 for 5 and then makes errors in the field. The exact opposite of what I'm talking about, for example, is Jose Altuve, who had those errors, who's been short-arming the ball, the first base to second base, yet he has been on fire in the American League Championship Series at the plate. It is critical to build your team with players like that. Strong mental capacity. The world is littered with guys who can throw 98 who have no no ability to pitch in the big leagues. So when you're a team leader, you have to preach that as a collective frame of mind. It's not just that you need every individual player to have a short memory. You need the team and the cohesiveness that you build as you are into October to also take on that same mantra. We don't remember. We don't care. When we talked about what happened after the 15-3 game three drubbing, we said the only chance for the Braves here is simply going to be that they have no memory. Well, they came out in 110-2, and now let's just take a look at this series, right? You've got Mookie Betts, who's hitting a buck 43. The Dodgers got three hole hits yesterday. Cody Bellinger is hitting 188. Meanwhile, Freddie Freeman's hitting 429 and Ozuna's hitting 333. Ozuna, who's going for a contract, had two home runs, four RBIs, five total bases, uh, sorry, 10 total bases to set a record, by the way, a record, might I add, for the Atlanta Braves. And you realize that this Braves team is damn good. And what's going to happen is that the Dodgers could win three in a row. They could. I think it's more likely that the Braves, they have an 85% chance of winning this series now. It's more likely that they're going to win this series at three games to one. It is a bullpen game for the Braves coming up here in a potential elimination game five. You've got Dustin May going for the Dodgers, the guy who looks like Carrot Top, who's really good. If it goes game six, you got Ferris Bueller going. And if it goes game seven, you got to go back to Tony Gonsolin because it was going to be Kershaw who would have pitched a game seven, but he couldn't go because of the spasms in his back. 
Meanwhile, the Braves didn't have to pitch freed on short rest in game five because it's not a tie series. That's why the game yesterday was so critical. It informs what the Braves were going to do with their pitching the rest of the series. They can do a bullpen game today. I was thinking about what Jack McKean would do. He would not do a bullpen game. He wouldn't allow us to do a bullpen game in this game five. He would have gone back to freed on short rest saying, I don't care about game six or game seven. I want to eliminate the Dodgers today. We have an elimination game. Let's get him today. Screw tomorrow. We'll worry about tomorrow later. Wait to see what happens. But man, the Braves showed they love Barbara Streisand. Well, if you stayed up and you watched the Astros game and the Dodgers game, which we're doing every night here on Nothing Personal, waking up early, coming right back at you. 45 minutes every day, I'm here for you. So is Coca. We're tired, but we'll keep going. Let's always keep going. We criticize Carlos Correa in a very significant way because I don't like when players bait other teams. I don't like when players provide bulletin board material for other teams. It's not necessary. Just stay quiet. I'm fine with... Many of the, with violating many of the unwritten rules in baseball. I have no problem with bad flipping. I have no problem with celebrating. I have no problem with talking trash on the field. As you know, when, from watching The Last Dance, Michael Jordan, best ever, trash talker. It's all good. What I didn't like that Korea did, Carlos Correa, is when he said after their series win, either the wild card or the division series, he said, what are you going to say about us now? Who's doing the talking now? Because obviously everyone is upset that the Astros are winning. And I told him, just shh, you'll have plenty of time to talk. Just win the World Series. Well, they went down 3 nothing. Correa's had a great postseason. Guess what? He hit a walk-off home run last night. It is now 3-2 to two in the Astros' race series. And now the pressure is completely off the Astros in tonight's Game 6. It's squarely on the race because if they don't close out the Astros tonight, then they go to a game seven. And as you know, in game sevens, anything can happen. Fascinating to me how this series has changed. The Astros offense has woken up. Altuve, by the way, is batting 421. Coca wanted me to talk about this and I told him I'm going to because it's interesting how a fan and Coca is a, a producer extraordinaire but a fan of sports in general. He was critical of Altuve getting picked off, critical of him being thrown out, trying to extend a single into a double. And I pointed out to him, when you are a first move guy and when you take a lead off first base and you are going and you're a first move, it's a first move hit and run or a first move steal, That means that you are opening yourself up to be picked off. And as management, we are okay with that. Because 24 out of 25 times on first move, it's going to be to the plate. This time, it just happened to be on a a pickoff throw to first base, and Altuve got caught. Situational baseball is critical also, Coca. I have no problem with Altuve trying to extend a single to a double. It took a perfect throw. If it takes a crappy throw and you get tagged out on a base, you've made a mistake. If you're in the right situation and it took a perfect throw and you get gotten, then I'm not upset at all. I don't ever want to make the first or third out at third base. That is an old school baseball rule that I firmly believe in. But the reality is he was going, trying to get into scoring position in a tight game 
I can't remember the inning, but it was the middle to late innings of the game. I don't think it was early, but who can remember in four-hour games? And I believe that he made the first or second out of the inning. Obviously, it wasn't the third. And that was the frustrating part for people because he was off the basis. But my standpoint, it was a sixth inning, Coca, thank you. That is a very reasonable play. So sorry, Coca. I had no problem with Altuve doing it. So just to get back to the Astros game for one quick second, I want to point out to people that I agree that I said the Rays are a better team. The Rays have a better bullpen. The Rays have nobody you can name in their starting lineup. But when you watch them play, you look at Lau, you look at G-Man Choi, you look at Wendy, you look at Adamas, you look at these players and you say, together, they do something that individually I don't think they're capable of. And that's the sign of a great, great team. Is it enough to get through Houston to get one more victory? We're going to have to wait to see. But all of a sudden, we've got two pretty significantly interesting series in the league championship series. I know that no one wants to see the Braves and Rays. I get it. But you never know. It could still be Dodgers-Astros. It's going to be exciting. You know, I'm still picking two games every day for the nothing personal pick of the day. I don't know why I started this, but now I can't stop it. We're 27 and 23. And what's frustrating about that is we split yesterday. We had the Dodgers winning. And uh, what's interesting to me is that uh, I don't know why I told you the Braves would be okay and have a short memory. And then all of a sudden I picked the Dodgers. I just don't know why I did that. I did have the Astros, of course, winning to force a game six and they did. So now let's go again. I'm going to take the Dodgers yet again because I think Dustin May will win and I think the Dodgers-Braves will go to a game six. I've got Dustin May over the over the uh, Braves and their bullpen game because I would have come back with Freed. And remember what we said before this series started in the American League? We said the Astros in seven. There's no way I thought it would go 3 nothing Tampa, then 4 nothing Houston. But right now it's 3 nothing Tampa, 2 nothing Houston. Well, it's going to be 3 nothing Tampa, 3 nothing Houston. We're going to a game seven. I got the Astros again winning, forcing a game seven. Keeping in mind, as you remember, only one team has ever come back from down 3-0. And that's the Red Sox in 2004 when they came back to beat the Yankees in seven games. Obviously, I don't have to say that. When you come back down from 3-0, you have to do it in seven games. Now, teams can come back from 2-0, not in seven games, but that's just math. It could be six games. I digress. So I'm never going to say that a team down 3 nothing came back in seven games. I'm just say they came back to win the series. But now they're not down 3 nothing. How many teams have come back from 3-2 to win a series? Way more than that. It's not 37 out of 38. Odds are getting better. Astros, force a game seven. You got the two picks. All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking about a movie I watched I had very high expectations and they were partially met. It's sort of like a hurdler going over a hurdle and you make it with your front leg over the hurdle. I was the shortest hurdler on the track team. I was allowed to run hurdles because I was the only one like five feet who was willing to do it. Because what did I care? The worst it's going to do is is hit me right in the Johnson and it sort of gives you good incentive to get over it. But sometimes your front leg gets over the hurdle, but then your back leg hits it and you trip and fall. When we come back, we're going to talk about Ava. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quite in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal on Friday, October 16th, 2020. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Thanks for telling your friends about us. Thank you for tuning in on YouTube. Nothing personal with David Sampson. If you want to watch this show, get on YouTube, hit subscribe. Even if you listen to the pod, and I know that many, many thousands of you more listen to this than watch it. But when you're bored sitting on the toilet and you're watching videos, believe me, this helps Coca. Just go to YouTube, go to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson channel and just hit subscribe. Thank you. Okay, so we watch a movie and review it. I saw a movie that had come out. I think it's sort of new, Coca. It's called Ava with one of my favorite actresses, Jessica Chastain, and one of my favorite actors, John Malkovich. How could it be bad? It is a movie about a hit woman. How could it be bad? It's a movie about a hit woman who gets a conscience. How could that be bad? It's about a hit woman who all of a sudden gets a hit put out on her. How can it be bad? I'm describing like 75 movies that I've seen before. I don't get, and I'm not a writer, so let me be uh, complimentary and critical in the same breath. Are there really no original ideas out there? I mean, there's some. We reviewed the Charlie Kaufman movie. There's some great original scripts, but the rom-coms are becoming ordinary. The horror movies, I hear ordinary. I don't watch them. The Hitman movies. Come on, man. She has a hit on her by Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell plays the boss of John Malkovich. Colin Farrell wants her dead. Colin Farrell wants Malkovich dead when Malkovich doesn't want Jessica Chastain dead. Then there's a sister who's in love with Common, except Common and Jessica Chastain were in love. Come on. It's called Ava. Because that's what she's called. One little nugget I got from reading about the movie, it may have been on, on IMDb, I don't know where, that they changed the name of the movie after they filmed it. And the name of the movie is the name of the character. They changed the name of the character and had a redub every time someone said the character's name in the movie. Hey, Eve, you look hot today. Oh, we got to change that. It's Ava. What? Does that mean more people are going to see it because it's called Ava and not Eve? Is that one of the whims of a studio head? What's the story there, Morning Glory? I guess we could ask Ty Lu. 
How's that for a segue? We're going to ask Ty Lu. Hey, Ty, now that you're the coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, you're going to be in Hollywood. Here's the, here's the tie-in, Coca. This is the segue. You know, you were an assistant, which means you can't get into all the restaurants, but now you're the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. You've got a five-year deal. I want to know why the movie Ava is called Ava and not Eve when it was supposed to be called Eve. I think you've got time. You've got five years of a deal. Oh, true. You're busy. You're busy because you're coaching Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You work for Steve Ballmer, the billionaire Microsoft co-founder who owns the Clippers. You have two superstars on your team who admittedly did not have the chemistry team-wide that was needed in the bubble, who got summarily beaten in a phenomenal series, might I add, by the Denver Nuggets when they were up 3-1. Notice I didn't say how many games it took to beat the Clippers, who were up three games to one in a best four out of seven series. Doc Rivers all of a sudden is disappeared and resurfaces underneath the Liberty Bell. We say that the Clippers need to hire a coach with championship pedigree. And wouldn't you know, they decide that Ty Lue's the guy. Ty Lue is the same coach who has a ring with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Remember that 2016 when LeBron went back to Cleveland? Remember the coach when LeBron went back to Cleveland? His name was David Blatt. David Blatt gets done. They bring in Ty Lue. Coca, is it possible that Ty Lue was the assistant coach to David Blatt? If that's the case, and I have some weird memory that he was, and that he was then promoted, because of course players like assistant coach is better, because the assistant coach, it's like liking your substitute teacher better. They never yell at you. It's like liking your, you know, someone who doesn't, is not fully responsible. Of course you're going to like them better than someone who has to have the hammer on you. Of course, none of this matters if Ty Lue had not been the assistant at Cleveland, but I think he was. He certainly was the assistant in L.A. Now that he's been promoted, how did that happen? Why did that happen? It's a pretty interesting hire to me. And the answer is, thank you, Coca. Coca's, it's Friday, folks. Here's how you know when it's Friday. When Coca's telling me that Ty Lue was the assistant in Cleveland, when I'm two minutes past needing that information. On Tuesday, he would tell me that Ty Lue was the assistant in Cleveland while I began to talk about him as the assistant in Los Angeles. But listen, the guy's doing double duty. He's busy. It's Friday. TGIF, by the way. Although it's not Friday for you, Coca. I, I hear you. I recognize you. I know it. It's Thursday. So Ty Lue was promoted for one reason only, and let's be very clear about this. They are trying to recreate the LeBron James situation in Cleveland. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were consulted by Steve Ballmer. They were told that Ty Lue is exactly who they want to be their head coach. He was then given a five-year deal. If Kawhi Leonard and Paul George leave in free agency after this next season, championship or not, Ty Lue will be left there holding the bag like he was in Cleveland after LeBron left for Los Angeles. And Ty Lue will then get fired. If you don't learn from history, you are condemned to repeat it. Now, would Steve Ballmer right now trade paying Ty Lue out three years for not working to get a championship ring in one second flat? It's not even a question. It's a slam dunk. If you could promise me that all we had to do is fire a manager to win a ring, we'd fire managers all the time. <laughs> get it? Do you get the joke? 
We did fire managers all the time trying to chase the ring. Got it one time. So why would Steve Ballmer listen to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Because Steve Ballmer is so desperate to win. He's owned the team long enough in his mind. He's put enough money into it. The relevance that he feels being an owner has now been supplanted by the power he wants to feel by being a champion. It is a copycat world in the world of sports. The Cavs did it, and now the Clippers are going to try to. Will it work? That is a wait to see. Wait to see today is the following. Ty Lu will not be the coach of the Clippers when his five-year contract runs out. Just that's the way to see. You know, am I going to be around in five years? Knock on wood. Am I going to be with you? Are you going to be with me? This show, how will it look five years? You know, we've only celebrated one year. How's it going to look five years from now? Well, Coke and I are going to be a little older, but we're still going to be coming to you one way or another. Do you hear that, CBS? Contract drive, contract, contract drive, contract drive. How are we going to look in five years? You don't want to lose us now. Wait to see. He's not going to be the coach. Coco, do I have time to explain to people why Ava was changed from Eve to Ava? I'll just give it because you gave me the note, so I'm happy to do it. You're telling me that Eva changed, Eve changed to Ava because the director got accused of domestic violence and then left the movie. Huh. So they replaced the director who got accused of domestic violence and the writer of the movie said, we want to disassociate ourselves from the director. Therefore, we're going to change the name of the movie. Okay, that's the reason. I hope that no one thinks that changing the name of a movie takes focus off the fact that a man was accused of domestic violence. Because changing the name of a movie should not take the focus away from the horrible, insidious, criminal act that that former director is accused of. Moving on. Let's play some songs and let's roll a fat one, please. You know what I want? Ah, I want to talk to Samson. You want to talk to Samson? Roll yourself a fat one and let's talk. Get on my Twitter, David P. Sampson, ask a question. And here was the question asked today. Are you offended by the Cincinnati Bengals going for a late field goal to score and therefore spoil the Baltimore Ravens shutout? I understand the defensive coordinator was offended. How would you deal with this? Well, I appreciate the NFL related. So you want to talk to Sampson question. I appreciate all the loyalty that people show on Twitter and Instagram, et cetera. It's an interesting point. I just don't know why it's a story. The defensive coordinator for the Ravens was offended. Like there's some unwritten rule when you're down big in a game. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down the field and you're going to spend four downs trying to score a touchdown when you're down by 25 with a minute left. Because what good's a field goal? Therefore, if you go for a field goal, you're only doing it to say you didn't get shut out. And when you're defensive coordinator of a team, you want to say you got a shutout because then you can say, hey, I was the defensive coordinator when we had a shutout. BFD. Wah, 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 wah. Focus yourself on the game and winning a game. 
doesn't matter. If you win a game seven to zero in baseball or seven to one, or a pitcher throws a shutout or gives up a run, that's money to the pitcher, right? You get to say, hey, I had four shutouts in 2020. Oh my God, I had a no hitter going and then you bunted. People go crazy in that. It's an unwritten rule. You can't bunt for a base hit or hit against the shift in a no hitter. If you're being shifted in a no hitter and you bunt to where there's no defensive players and you break up a no hitter in the mid to late innings, you're going to get domed by the other team. And I think that's a crock of crap. You're going to switch. Guess what? I want to get a base hit. You're going to make it. So we're in field goal position and you stop us on third down. Guess what? We're kicking a field goal. I don't really see the big deal at all. Not only was I not offended by it, I was more offended that Wink Martindale was offended by it. That's what's interesting to me. And keep in mind his own coach, one of the Harbaugh brothers. I want to say John, but it could be Jim because those are the two choices. I think Jim is the guy in Michigan and John is the guy in Baltimore. So confusing. The 23 sons of Mrs. McCabe and she called them all Dave. That's a Dr. Seuss reference for those of you paying attention. I believe that John Harbaugh did not come to Wink Martindale's defense, and I believe he said something to the effect of, if you don't want to give up a field goal, don't let the team in field goal position. Amen. Is it amen? Amen. Can I get an amen? Stay focused. Win games. Period. Don't you love when players say that they want to, they're all about the ring, right? All they want to do is win. That's what they say. That's my goal is to win, period. Okay, interesting. Le'Veon Bell got cut by the Jets. We talked about it, I don't know when it was, yesterday or two days ago. What a disastrous free agent signing he was. Not even a very impactful running back. Average like 3.3 yards a carry. Made a ton of money. Someone did like Darren Ravel. Remember him from a Samson sit down? You may follow him on Twitter along with the other million people. How is that possible? Come on. David P. Samson. I need dopamine. How? What a horrible thing to feel self-worth based on followers. I got to work on that, Coca. All right, I'm going to start now. I am not going to judge myself based on social media followers. I'm going to write that down. I will not judge. Well, I'm sorry, CBS. <clears throat> What'd you say? Wait a minute. You pay according to social followers? Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to amend that. I judge myself based on social followers. My ability to earn money is based on social followers. I will do anything I can to, no, I'm not, cross that out. I will not do anything, no. I'm not sending a DP, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, Coca. LeVon Bell says, hey, thanks for releasing me. He gives the prayer emoji. It makes me laugh. He then gets his release, which I never would have granted him, by the way. The Jets are still on the hook for $6 million. And Bell can sign wherever he wants. Big, 
press release. I mean, a big article. It's down to the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those three teams want him. They call up his agent and they say, we've got opportunity here. We've got an opportunity to win. We've got an opportunity for you to recapture your magic from before you held out with the Steelers. Do I have the wrong player? Am I really that bad on a Friday? Isn't he the one who held out after the Steelers tried to franchise tag him? In any case, my brain is a little fizzled. Hold on, let me write that down. Drink more on Thursday night. Water. Comma. So everyone in Miami's all excited. Wow, it'll be great to have them. And I knew the minute Chiefs, Dolphins, Chiefs, Dolphins. Hmm, where am I going to go? Chiefs, Dolphins. It's got to be about the money. Oh, not about the money because I'm being paid by the Jets, which means that whoever I sign with can pay me the minimum and I still get paid by the Jets. Therefore, oh, I get to go public and say, to me, it's all about winning and helping a team win another championship or if it's a team that hasn't won one, win a championship. Of course, he's going to choose the Chiefs. At least he acknowledged, hey, it's my best chance to win a championship. You're damn right it is. They're going to go 16-0. and 0. Remember I said that? And they're going to win a second Super Bowl in a row. In a row. Remember Patrick Mahomes' contract and what happens if he wins like 10 Super Bowls in a row? That's how he gets his maximum or 10 Super Bowl MVPs or whatever the case may be. Bell choosing the Chiefs. There's a rule in baseball when a player gets released. Let's say a player gets released and he's making $16 million. And let's just say his name is Wei-Yin Chen. And then let's say that Wei and Chen signs with another team. That team only has to pay him the minimum, which is $500,000, which means the team who owes him, the Marlins, the $16 million, Jeter, has to pay Chen $15.5 million, and the Mariners have to pay him $500,000. So Chen still gets his sixteen. million. You're welcome, Scott Boris. Where's my thank you card for that fifth year, for Christ's sake? I want like a holiday gift from the Boris Corporation one time for allowing you to sucker us into a fifth year. Come on. How about just like a gingerbread man, some cookies, a little stripple of something? I know what I'll get. I'm going to get a big carton of damn eggnog. In any case, it's the same in football. There's mitigation, which means a team can sign a player for the minimum and that player still makes the same, same amount of money. And the, the team which released the player has to pay that amount less. There is something with executives that's the same concept, except there has to be a fair and reasonable contract. Here's the example. When you fire a manager and that manager gets a new job somewhere, let's say you're paying the manager a million dollars. And that manager has two years left on his deal at a million a year. And then that manager becomes the manager of another team. That team can sign him to as low a contract as he want, as they want, but it has to be reasonable according to the experience of the person hired and the level of the position. We had a huge fight with the Washington Nationals when they hired Dan Jennings after we fired him. We, he was our GM and manager. Do you remember that? We named our GM manager and then we fired him as both manager and GM. He then got a job with the Washington Nationals. And we were angry because they hired him. They gave him a title and he was still being paid by us. And he was being paid a pittance by the Nationals because they didn't have to. They got his great brain and baseball acumen for nothing. Bupkis. And the reason they got it 
is that they gave him a title like special assistant to the general manager or pro scout, and they were able to get away with that when, in fact, he had a much bigger role, in my opinion. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. There are ways around everything. Le'Veon Bell is now a chief. Good luck to him. Good luck to the Jets. Good luck to Adam Gase. Can you imagine being asked by the media? Do you agree that, uh, that, that the Jets sort of wish they had a better bell on offense? And his response was just as simple. It's irrelevant at this point. It's irrelevant because he didn't want him when he signed him. He didn't use him correctly. And then you had Chris Johnson, your owner, choose you over him. Congrats. You're still looking for a job in 21, Adam. Okay. I need to make a quick correction from yesterday. Uh, Coke and I could not think of who we were trying to think of, and he tried to help me. I thought of a baseball player who was suffering from anxiety. I wasn't thinking of Zach Renke, who has social anxiety disorder. I was thinking of Kevin Love. Kevin Love is a basketball player who has been extremely forthcoming about his mental illness. That's who I was thinking of. I was picturing the article and the cover article with Kevin Love sitting there with his arms extended, I believe. Great article. Great strength and bravery by Kevin Love to acknowledge his issues with his mental health and that he wants help and that he gets help and how life is not as easy as you think for celebrities. That is a correction. Thank you. Okay. we got a big one right now to go through and it's not that complicated, but it's interesting to think about. And it's very telling because on nothing personal, we try to go through topics and explain to you when things are real and when they're not. The owner of the Houston Astros is a guy named Furtada, but it's not. It's Furtita, Furtita, Furtota. He's the owner of the Houston Rockets. Yesterday, news came out that our old friend Daryl Morey had agreed to step down as GM of the Rockets. Do you remember Daryl Morey and the amount of time that we spent on Daryl Morey when Nothing Personal first started? This is like a year ago. Daryl Morey is the one who sent a tweet in favor of democracy in Hong Kong and of the protesters in Hong Kong and China and Beijing specifically lost their collective minds. Daryl Morey deleted the tweet. China withdrew from the NBA for all intents and purposes, costing the NBA up to a billion dollars. They're claiming 400 million. I think it's closer to a billion. We told you that Daryl Morey would not survive as GM of the Rockets no matter what, unless the Rockets won the world championship. And even then, I still thought he'd get fired. Furtada jumped over mountains to let us all know that he was not upset with Daryl Morey. Everything was fine with Daryl Morey. He's behind Daryl Morey. Everything is good with Daryl Morey. He didn't get suspended. He didn't get anything. And I told you on nothing personal, it's absolute horse hockey. The reality is that there is no way that the NBA will allow Daryl Morey to continue on after the season with the Rockets. They had to cut a deal with China. Deny it all you want, Adam Silver. You think it's, it's, it's an actual coincidence that they started showing finals games when the Lakers were going to clinch? You think it's a coincidence that China is going to re-engage with the NBA at a time when COVID has overtaken businesses and leagues? The one-two punch of CC China COVID is too much for the salary cap in the NBA to handle? And all of a sudden, Daryl Morey steps down. And then Morey and Fertitta meet the, meet the press 
and they declined to answer any questions about China. And they actually stopped the interview when the interviewer asked the only logical question you can ask. Were you fired because of China? I don't want to answer that. Did you step down because of your comments, Ray China? I don't want to answer that. Then why the hell are you doing an interview? All Fertitta would say is we've never had a crossword over China, saying that their relationship's been great the whole time and that he was not leaving because of a disagreement over the team's strategy or direction. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, he's not leaving over the team's strategy or direction. He's leaving because he was forced to leave. This is a business you run. The league, the team. You can't be a GM and say the things and tweet the things Maury said without consequence. And I'm not saying I agree. Everyone's got the right to free speech. Everyone's got the right to feel and say the right thing and do the right thing that they feel in their hearts. But when you represent a company, you better be damn sure of what you're saying and understand what the consequences will be. And the consequences were clear from the minute that tweet got deleted. He was done leading a team. But the NBA has a much bigger issue on its hand. And the issue is, how do they come to grips with their reality that they have to do business with China? That they can talk about Black Lives Matter all they want. They can talk about being woke. They can talk about social justice, systemic racism. They can provide a platform to their players and be all high and mighty. But to think that I'm not going to sit here and call them out on the inconsistency as it relates to their dealings with China, you're wrong. I'm going to let you make the decision as a listener or a viewer and decide what is your tipping point. My tipping point is actually very simple. I can't stand the human rights violations that take place in China, and I'm too big a to change the way I consume my durable goods, to change the way I buy clothing, to change the way I talk on a phone. I am too big a to do anything other than say, I'm against the human rights violations and the genocide that takes place in China. Put your money where your mouth is, Samson. Nope, I don't. I admit it. I admit it. That's all I'm asking. Just acknowledge. Mark Cuban goes on a show. He goes on a podcast with Megan, um, Megan Conway Kelly. Megan, I don't know her name. She has that show that didn't do well on TV and she switched networks, got paid a ton. Megan Kelly. Mark Cuban goes on a podcast with Megan Kelly and she asks him tough questions about China and Mark Cuban got caught. Mark Cuban, who is trying to run for president, Mark Cuban, who is very public about the way he's helping people and here domestically, his old player, Delonte West, saving him from drug addiction and homelessness and then posting about it the second highest form of charity, the second highest form of tzedakah, the first highest is just to save Delonte West and then not tell anyone. I participate mostly in second tier charity because we did a whole charity during COVID and we told you we were doing it and we did it. The best charity would be to just do it and not even tell you I did it. There are things I do like that where I don't tell people what I do. 
Although by saying that I do it, I just violated it. Now I'm a pure second tier guy. Oh, I didn't tell you what it is. So I'm like one and a half tiers. How about that, Coca? So Mark Cuban gets on and acknowledges, listen, I'm more focused on domestic issues. I'm not in favor of human rights violations anywhere, but I got to be very careful because I'm going to say it. And, I, and if, you're, if I'm creating a headline, I am. And I know you're trying to have me create a headline. I'm OK with doing business with China. We have to pick our battles, Cuban said. I wish we could solve all the world's problems. He continued to talk about China in a very careful way because Megyn Kelly kept saying to him, what about the genocide that's happening? The forced abortions. What about the racial cleansing? It sounds like Germany, doesn't it? She didn't say that. I'm saying that. But the amount of money that Mark Cuban makes in China would knock your socks off. We've told you about the billions of dollars that come in revenue in China. We told you about the workers who are there working for nothing so you can buy cheap Nike stuff or cheap cell or cheaper cell phones. We've told you that as much as we want U.S. jobs in the U.S., the fact is we consume goods and items, including me, that are made in China because it saves money that we can then spend on other things like fantasy or gambling or buying better phones or bigger phones or new blazers or whatever it is, extra chargers, whatever you're doing. I want sports owners and teams and leagues just to acknowledge it. You can't have Daryl Morey step down and then say it has nothing to do with how he ran the team, but it also, we're not going to talk about China. You can't have Daryl Morey step down and leave the Rockets and not address the elephant in the room. Now, we did that all the time when I was on the other side. Don't tell us what we have to do. I'll tell you what we're going to do. But now that I'm on this side, I'm going to call you out for it. It's the elephant in the room. And it would go away if it were simply addressed as follows. By whether it's Mark Cuban or Adam Silver or Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, you simply go through the process of the business that you do with China. You talk about the changes that you're trying to make, including conversations you have with your partners in China. You continue to say that while we hope for world peace and we hope for racial tolerance and we fight for it domestically, when it comes to China, it is a very complicated issue because if we step wrong or we say or do the wrong thing, that will have a deleterious impact on all of you here in the U.S. Salaries will go down. Prices will have to go up because revenue will be down so significantly. The entire economic model that we have here in sports in this country is very much China dependent. So if you're willing to turn your back on that, then be willing to live with the consequences both on and off the court here domestically. Are you willing to? Because the owners are not. So if you're going to be Daryl Morey, and you're going to say what you said about China, it's going to cost you your job. If you're going to be Mark Cuban and you're going to go on a show, you have to say that you're okay doing business in China. You have no other choice because you do business in China. And what's the one thing that Mark Cuban and Adam Silver and Frittata all know? Say it with me. It's just business. It's nothing personal. Here you go. 
here you go. 